streaming across the Thames Valley. Starts pumping out on the streets. The traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five. What a way to make a living, barely getting by. Hello and welcome. Good afternoon. You're listening to the River Radio Business Source Show with me, Sophie Comas. I hope you're all having a good week. On today's show, I'm delighted to welcome Natalie Reed-Hughes from Springer Alexander Coaching to join us. And today, on today's show, we're going to be finding out more about Natalie, learning more about Springer Alexander Coaching, debating and discussing some of the challenges faced in the small business world today. Plus, we've got some great music and book choices for you as well. So, Natalie, welcome. Good afternoon. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Sophie. It's nice to be here. Oh, it's good to see you. I'm glad I'm glad you could make it this afternoon. <laughs> um, it's certainly been an eventful couple of weeks, hasn't it? And it certainly, has. Well, weekend, I should say. So um, uh, with lots of events going on over, over in Windsor, so very close by. So yes. did you manage to get down and have a look or, or did you... Did you watch from your sofa? We watched on Monday from the sofa, but we had been to Windsor one evening last week just to see the flowers. And I have to say it was a really um, respectful atmosphere in Windsor. Um, It was fairly quiet in terms of people uh, and noise, but there were a lot of people there wandering around just to pay their respects to the Queen, really. Mm. I agree. I mean, as you, you probably realise, I, I live in Windsor, so mm. we've been in a couple of times um, just to put some flowers down and just to, I suppose, remember and reflect, really. And I think you're right. It was a really lovely atmosphere around that people were coming together, <clears throat> but also um, you know, just being respectful. And it was, a, it was a really lovely mood, sad, obviously, and sombre, but, um, but lovely. Yes, so, it was. It was. Yeah, so that's good. So, well, welcome to the show this afternoon. Thank um, you. Looking forward to hearing more about yourself and your business and sharing that with the listeners. I know they've got lots of good things to be talking about this afternoon. So perhaps um, tell us about Springer Alexander. What do you, what do, you do? Okay, so Springer Alexander was set up um, five years ago. I'd been running my own telemarketing company Mm. um, for some time and was often asked to help and advise and coach when other people were looking at their sales function. So what I'm doing with Springer Alexander is working with small to medium businesses to help them plan and execute for their own business growth. Mm. Um, So that could be coaching, it could be mentoring, or it might be that their, their teams need some sales training and I'm happy to provide that. So typically, most of the coaching and mentoring I do is with a very specific focus on selling, because that's my background. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, excellent. I was going to say, did you have a particular focus in in what you're doing? Because I guess the world of coaching can be so broad, can't it? It can, Um, absolutely. And there's some brilliant coaches out there who focus on very different things as well. mm. Um, But certainly what, what I enjoy the most is looking at how people are selling and promoting their business and obviously the acquisition of, of new customers for them. Yeah, excellent. So it's a real kind of overlap, I suppose, within the marketing world a little bit too, because obviously sales and marketing, as, as we've talked about many a times, go go very much hand in hand together, don't they? Definitely. And, and, and sales is most successful for businesses, making sales. Is, is most successful if it goes hand in hand with marketing. It's like a, a, a jigsaw puzzle, really. Mm. You can't, can't have one without the other. Yeah, definitely. So how, how would it work for a typical client then? I mean, I suppose there probably is no typical client, but maybe if you think of a, a client you enjoy working with, how does it typically work with them? Do you go into their offices? How, you know, what, what's the kind of process that you would go through with them? 
Okay. Depends what the client wants, really. I mean, sometimes uh, maybe a, a business board or even just one sales director or a managing director just wants some help and some advice and some tips on how to go about growing the business, um, how to make more sales, what might work for them. So and I'm happy to provide that. But equally, I'm happy to go in and observe what's going on within a business and give them feedback on what I feel they're doing well, what opportunities they're missing out on mm. um, and what they could do perhaps to better their performance. Excellent. I guess that's really varied. I guess you must must come across all sorts of different challenges um, within organisations. I do. And I, I absolutely love the, the various clients I work with, you know, from, from bigger companies, you know, and we're talking probably sort of 50 to 100 employees, right down to one one man or one woman bands. Um, mm. it's, and I love the, 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 the sort of variety of businesses I work with. Yeah, definitely. Well, what's the kind of challenge that you've seen most most recently? I mean, we'll, we'll come on to talk about challenges within the industry a bit later on in the show, but is there, you know, is it a mindset piece? Is it a confidence piece? Is it um, structure post-COVID? You know, what, what's kind of, is there a, a theme kind of emerging within businesses that you're, you know, the challenges that they're facing? Firstly, it's, excuse me, it's always a mindset piece. I mean, people can choose um, to, to, to do something or not do something and they can believe that they can be successful or not. So I, mm. I mean, I'm a firm believer in mindset playing a, a crucial part, excuse me. <clears throat> um, but right now, the biggest challenge, I think, for, for lots of small businesses is rising costs. Mm. That, that's fundamentally what everybody wants to talk about yes, right now. Definitely. And um, that's really topical today. We'll, we'll come on to talk a bit more about that later on. Yes. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hugely topical in, in today's um, announcements, I, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so what's, you know, so obviously you meet with a new client, you start the conversations with them, you do your kind of audit and you know what is there a, a kind of quick sort of impact or, or changes I suppose that you would start to see with a, a particular client is it you know is it people that is the quickest not fix I don't I don't really mean it in that way but is that a, a kind of an easy win an easy step forward an easy thing to address or is it structure is there are there any kind of obvious um, sort of impacts I suppose as a business coach that that is this effective and, and quick to make I would always look at the culture within an organisation, first mm. of all. Is there a sort of sales mentality? Do people believe that they can grow the business by making more sales? Um, because often you'll go in and there's, there can be an anti-sales focus, mm. you know, people saying, yes. oh, I don't want to be thought of as a salesperson. Um, and there's no such thing as a typical salesperson. You know, yeah. we think back to the 80s and it was very much, you know, push people into buying, close the deal, you know, very much don't give them a With chance to say no. your mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look that old to remember those things. Sophie. I'm not, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but certainly that, and people want to avoid being perceived as one of those people. But that's really not what selling is about now. It's about winning people over. It's about getting people to know, like and trust mm. who you are and providing a good service. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's the vocab you use. I know when we, you and I have had conversations previously that, the minute you say sales, people visibly almost go, oh, no, I, yeah. I can't sell. Whereas if you say, OK, well, how about new business development? OK, or, or business growth. Yeah, OK, that, that can work as well. So I guess that's also part of the mindset piece, isn't it? Definitely. And customer acquisition is a current favourite. It's a nice one. We mm. need to acquire new customers, not, yeah. not win, win new businesses out. Acquiring yeah. new customers is yeah. definitely the buzzword of the moment. Oh, that's, that's interesting <laughs> to know because in marketing, we talk a lot about customer acquisition marketing, customer retention marketing. So it's interesting that that's a, a phrase, I suppose, that's, that's 
kind of picking up momentum and mm. um and usage so definitely um, yeah oh, that's interesting um what's the what's the thing that you love most about your role um, apart from the sort of different customers I work with, it's really getting into businesses and seeing where I can help. And I love hearing then people's success stories after we've worked together. That that gives me the biggest buzz of all. Mm, definitely. I agree with you on that one. I think for myself as well, it's one of the one of the rewards really isn't it especially mm. when you work with a small business that actually to go in and sort of start saying okay well perhaps if you just tweak this and you perhaps just take a slightly different approach here to make make massive steps forward and, and strides forward it can really um it's hugely rewarding and um I guess where we get to our, our sense of satisfaction and drive from so definitely and it doesn't have to be big steps does it sometimes it is just little changes in behavior that can make yes, all the difference definitely I call them my light bulb moments because yes. I love those and like you say they can be quite small but really significant in the mind mindset of the business owner or, or the the person that you're speaking with so yeah, sure. yeah and I definitely definitely agree with that one and by reverse what's what's the worst part of your job what did, what's the bit that you dislike the most mm. I guess when I go and work with a client who says they want to make changes, but actually they don't want to change anything. So they want to be better. They want to make more sales. They want to grow, but they don't want to make any difference. They don't want to make any changes. That's that's quite frustrating, really. So I want want to make a change. I want more clients, but I don't want to do anything different to what I'm doing already. Absolutely. So that's obviously not working. So maybe we need to do something differently to try and make it work. Definitely. But fortunately, I don't have too many of those clients. Excellent. No, that's yeah, that I can see that could be frustrating otherwise. So um so and I understand as well that you're studying for a counselling qualification as well. So as well as doing all of this amazing work with um coaching and mentoring people, um, you're also um and obviously your sales side of things, which I know is your background, you're also taking counselling on as well. So that's yes. um t- tell me a bit more about the course, tell me about what you're doing with that. So many years ago I started working with Relate. I mean we're mm. talking sort of twenty-five years ago. I did some voluntary work with Relate and started some training as a counsellor um and really enjoyed it. Did that for about a year, but the problem at the time was I was working in the corporate world and was in mm. in a in an office for, for a certain amount of time. So had to stop. But it was always was something I thought I would pick back up and then I was having a conversation with with a friend of mine who's a counsellor and he was telling me about how difficult it is um, and has been through Covid for young people <coughs> to access counselling yeah. um, and they were people who were uh, who were hit quite badly during Covid you know they mm-hmm. were separated from their friends at a time in life when they should have been out there enjoying themselves and, and, and yeah. taking their first steps to freedom if you like um, <laughs> And it's really difficult. There's long, long waiting lists in some areas of the country, up to 18 months waiting list for for young people or young adults, I should say, uh, to be able to access this. And it made me think that perhaps now was a good time to go back. So I started my training a year ago Mm. and just about to start my second second part of the course this week. That's amazing because I do do agree. I think the... We talk quite a lot on the show about well-being mm. and actually that well-being piece and the impact of COVID, I think, has been really significant to all generations and all people, not not just the younger generation. Yes. But that's obviously a, a, a an audience that particularly resonates with you. So it's great that you're, you're going to train to be able to help more people. Because obviously the more people that get trained and are able to offer that support, the better that's, yes. that's going to be. But it's really interesting. I've, I've done a bit of coaching myself, as you know. Mm. And I think it's quite an interesting mix to have kind of mentoring, training, coaching and counselling because they're quite different 
roles, aren't they? They kind are. Kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. So um, from your perspective, what's the kind of, I suppose, the different ways and, you know, how do you take the different hats off? Because I, I find it quite difficult to kind of switch between those different jobs and things. So do, do you kind of consciously do it or is it just a sort of a kind of something that comes naturally I guess I think the counselling part won't be difficult to separate because it Mm. will be a different market I'm working within it's not businesses and so maybe the skills I'm using that I'm learning in my counselling training might be helpful but in terms of having having a a therapeutic relationship with somebody it will be very different Mm. that 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 will be um a different different type of person it won't be businesses whereas the the coaching mentoring and training it's really important when you start working with somebody at the outset to agree the terms of what they're looking for so for example coaching as you know is you're not giving advice you're not suggesting what people do that's mentoring Mm. so if what they're looking for if they're looking to engage with me because of my sales background then really what they're looking for is mentoring for business growth Mm. whereas if what they want is space to explore uh, work towards goals, have somebody to, to walk with them as they step towards those goals um, and hold them accountable for some of their actions, then that's much more a coaching mm. role. So it's very much at the beginning agreeing the terms of your engagement with mm. what, what what are they looking for from yeah. me. No, that's interesting. And I guess, you know, workplace mental well-being is a, is a huge thing right now as well. Definitely. And I guess having each of those skill sets will enable you to perhaps recognise people that might be struggling see the signs and obviously be able to refer them um, in the right way if, if needed or, as you say, wear your different hats depending upon what, what is needed. So yes. um, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, so on the show, we'd like to share some business books and podcasts with our audience. And I know you've got a, a business book recommendation. I haven't heard of your recommendation before. So would you, I can't even pronounce it to be fair. <laughs> so would you like to share with the listeners the book recommendation you have for us today? Sure. So it's not so much a business book, actually. It's it's a book I heard Chris Evans, the DJ, talk about mm. one day and on the radio. It's called Ikigai. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I-K-I-G-A-I. And it's basically the Japanese secret to a long and happy life. Um, and what the authors did, they started looking at a, an island in Japan called Okinawa, mm. where there were an inordinate amount of people who were living to over 100. And yeah, way more than anywhere else in the world, far more than the global average. So they started investigating and interviewing and looking at why that was. So Ikigai is um, what they call the Japanese secret to a long and happy life. Um, And what it means is it's looking, they never retire, first of all. People in this area never see it as that they retire. What they do is they carry on doing what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you're good at. And if you get all those four things in your work, and I'm using work as inverted commas, they might have done something very different before. Yeah. But in as, as they've got older, they've found something. They never retire as we say it, as we yeah. look at it in, in the yeah. West. If they can find something, because what that equates to is their passion, their mission, their profession, their vocation, then they found Ikigai. And if you interview all these people, what they're saying is it was only by finding their icky guy yeah. that's made them feel at peace and healthy wow. and happy. Do you know what? There seems to be a real, and I don't know, I don't think it's an age thing because I'm way off retiring myself, <laughs> but um, there seems to be a, a, something in that I've, I've read a book called The Secret, mm. um, which is all about um, the law of attraction. Yes. And I love that book because whilst you know you, you need to get past 
some bits of the book that might you know might not work for a UK audience actually the the premise of the book makes a lot of sense and there's um, a real movement I feel at the moment for this idea of exploring retirement that it's not something that suddenly day one suddenly you sit down and don't do anything for the next 30 years of your life actually if you know people are living longer and then living for perhaps maybe up to age 90 so you've got the first 30 years where you're growing up establishing your craft the next 30 years where maybe you're maybe having a family or, or kind of realising your professional um, abilities. And then you've got this kind of final 30 years when typically we retire. Um, what do you do with it? And what's your mindset? Yeah. And that's reflective in exactly what you've talked about there. So yes. um, literally in the, about the last month, you're about the second or third conversation I've had about this topic. So there's obviously somebody somewhere telling me I need to find out more about this. So. And I think it's good that we're having those conversations, actually, because there's a lot of talk right now about people, older people, because of pensions not being what they yes. thought they were, having to continue working. So continuing to work is fine as long as you're enjoying what you do. Absolutely. If you've you hated a job that you've been in for the last 40 years and now somebody's telling you, actually, you have to do that for another seven years because your pension is not what it was going to be, mm-hmm. how miserable would that be? So it's finding yes. something that you love that you can do. Yeah. And as, as Icky Guy says what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for and what you're good at. Yeah. No, it's, um, and yes, maybe, maybe it's being driven by their financial situation because you're absolutely mm. right with the way that things are heading. Um, pension pots no longer have the value that they perhaps historically would have had. So actually that kind of financial um, influence, I suppose, might be prompting the conversation around, um, well, actually, what happens in retirement? Do I have enough to spend the next 30 years sitting on a beach and going on holiday do I even want to do that um you know what's my mindset around it so it's lots of lots of really interesting questions coming up at the very moment. much so very much so excellent so we've got a um a song um to play um a song that you've chosen for us this afternoon so thank you for introducing Springer Alexander coaching for us a little bit this morning it's good to start to learn a bit more about you um so what's the what's the track that you've chosen for us this afternoon so the track I've chosen, Where Do the Children Play? It's written by Cat Stevens. And it's it's I love the song, actually. It's 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 my chosen funeral song. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, to bring things down on the on the rate of funerals. Um but I love it. I love this uh, I I just love the sort of mellow sound of the track. But actually it's it's a sad thing because it's talking about the fact that we are polluting and building over our green spaces and it's saying where do the children play when we've got rid of all our green open spaces um but i just like it but i yeah. think it's it's good to keep that message in mind let's let's not yeah. destroy the planet let's not build over everything let's leave enough space yeah. for us all to help with our he- mental health and yeah. well-being definitely agree with that one so um well thank you for choosing that this afternoon so here we have where do the children play by cat stevens Summer 
from a slot machine. Just get what you want to if you want, as you can get anything. I know we've come a long way. We're changing day to day. But tell me, where do the children play? Radio Business Source Show. Thank you for listening in this afternoon. Today we're joined by Natalie Reed Hughes from Springer Alexandra Coaching. So Natalie, welcome back. Thank you. Um, so, so far on the show, we've talked a little bit about Springer Alexandra Coaching, who they are, what they do and how they help their clients. Don't forget, if you have missed part of today's show, you can listen again on Catch Up via the website river.radio or as a podcast via all of the usual places. And of course, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the discussions we're having on the show this afternoon, please do drop me an email to sophie at river.radio. So, Natalie, at this time in the show, we started to ask our guests some quick-fire questions. Um, for the listeners out there, Natalie is looking slightly terrified at this point in time, but don't worry, I do know you are going to know the answers. So, we thought it'd be fun for the listeners to learn a bit more about you. So, are you ready? I am. Okay. Do you like Marmite or peanut butter? Oh, peanut butter, definitely. <laughs> that was pretty pretty. Can't good. stand Marmite, definitely <laughs> pretty peanut sure. butter. Beer or wine? Wine. Schweppes or fever tree? Ooh, 
Neither, actually. Oh, mm. I haven't had that one before. Okay. <laughs> I know the answer to this one. Football or rugby? Oh, rugby. Definitely. <laughs> Proud Welsh woman. Rugby every time. <laughs> tennis or... Uh, tennis. Yeah, tennis or cricket? Tennis. Tea or coffee? Both. Lemon or lime? Mm, lime. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Beach or city holidays? Beach. Uh, summer or winter? <sighs> Both. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Milk chocolate. Oh, do you have a favourite city? Yes, New York. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Is there a reason behind that or just because? Just loved it. Um, I've, I've been, I don't know, five, six times and every time I go it has a different feel to it and depending on where you're staying. And I was really <clears throat> privileged um, about, it was, would be about 12 years ago now, to go out and run some sales training. Ah. in new york and when i was asked to do that i was absolutely petrified you're taking hmm. me to the country where in your face selling is is everything and you want me to run a, a training course uh, and it was fantastic it was open-minded people full of fun full of life full of energy absolutely Excellent. loved it yeah oh cool love that story that's good um describe yourself in three words oh um fun professional passionate Nice. Yeah, I'd agree with those. And if you had a superpower, what would it be? Definitely to play every single musical instrument it's possible to play. Oh, that's a different one. Mm. Oh, I want to fly. So Okay, okay. No, <laughs> I like, I, yeah, I like that. Well, it's actually, that's a question I ask my son quite a lot. So about, about superpowers. And I said to him at one time about the musical instruments, because he is quite musical. Mm. And he said, no, I'd like to speak every language Yes, Every that's a great, that's what a another great, great answer. Yeah. Yes, like that. Mm. Do you play an instrument at the moment? I, I play the alto sax very badly, and <laughs> very badly. And um, I used to play the violin at school, again, very badly. So I'm okay. channeling all my musical frustration into my son and getting him to, <laughs> to learn different instruments. Excellent. Uh, no, I like, I, I like both of those answers. <laughs> Yeah, oh no, I'm, oh, I'm confused as to which way I would go. Mm. I think possibly the language one, because um, I quite like my languages. But um, well, you, you're bilingual anyway, aren't you? You're trilingual. Well, not, you? not bilingual, I speak Spanish and French. Okay, yes. okay. Yeah. To, to varying degrees, much better with a glass of wine, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Excellent. So well, we've, we've talked a bit about Spring Alexander, Natalie, um, coaching this afternoon. Um, so what's your background? Because I know you've got a bit of a sales background, but I guess how, how did you how did you get there? How did you set up the business? So I used to work in um, corporates and I ran big call centres. So again, hmm. now called contact centres um, because people can get in touch by phone or by email, however they want to online. But I ran big call centres for companies uh, like Cable and Wireless. Hmm. And um, I loved it. I loved working in the corporate world. I loved people who worked me still in touch with hundreds of them now, years later. And it was great fun. Um, And then I was headhunted to work for a a company just at the point that broadband was was becoming a thing in people's homes. Before that, we had dial-up. I still remember that noise. Oh, yes, that VPN dial-up noise. Yes, I remember (laughs) that too. somebody trying to ring the house phone. (laughs) um, So so at that point, broadband was becoming more of a thing into people's homes. And I was headhunted by this company to go and work for them. And it was an amazing 18 months. We had a massive investment. We we say it's a start-up, but it it really wasn't. It It was a huge start-up. Um, and I loved it. And all of a sudden the investors pulled the plug for reasons I, I'm, I still am unsure of, but, but you can tell I'm still bitter and twisted 20 years <laughs> later because I was loving this job. But they pulled the plug overnight and I, I really, did, I was shocked. And so 
that summer, I wasn't sure what, what to do next. I thought that was mm. going to be my job for years. So, so as you do, I spent the summer learning to water ski because I didn't really, couldn't make a business decision. So I decided <laughs> I to just it. do, do something completely <laughs> do something, different. Yeah, not think about, not think about work at all. Um, and then uh, an ex-colleague of mine rung up and said, oh, I hear you're unemployed. Yeah, I am for the first time ever. Um, and he said, do you want to come in and set up a small telesales team with the company I'm working with? on a day rate so I did went in and started doing that and um, I thought that's really good because it the the stuff I'd enjoyed about call centres was always taking call centres on that weren't performing well Mm. so whether it was a training need or, or technology need anything and I'd enjoyed that and so suddenly the thought of being able to go in and set things up or put things right and then leap in put it right leap out appealed to me so I started doing that for a couple of years um my mum lives in the Caribbean yeah and working that way enabled me to just go off there for a month at a time as well so I could work for three <laughs> or four months and take a month out it was they were good days Sophie they yeah were good amazing days. um I like the sound of that yeah it was great it was great and um it was it was after doing that a couple of years I thought okay I can't I've got to grow up at some stage I have to do <laughs> do something right so I set up Communique Associates and Communique um, was we we provided outsourced telemarketing solutions to small businesses so there's loads of big call centres out there that deal with companies like Mars and Coca-Cola and do all their call center work for them. But there was nobody that a small business could come to and say, can you just do 30 or 40 hours of telemarketing a month for me? Mm. Um, And that's what we did. So I set Communique up and ran that for 19 years. Wow, I didn't realize that was for so long. Yeah, yeah, 19 years with Communique. Um, and loved it for the most part and then just didn't love it for the last three or four years, to be honest. So... um, that's when I thought Springer Alexander is my way forward. I love the coaching. I love the training and wanted a change. Excellent. Sounds great. Yeah. So is there is there anything that perhaps you that perhaps happened either with Communique or with Springer Alexander coaching? Is there anything that you maybe a mistake or something that didn't quite go to plan? But in hindsight, you were really grateful for that. Actually, the learning you gained from that um, was 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 really important to you then moving forward. Was there anything that you can think of I think if I look back over my time running communicate I'm not a gambler by nature so mm. I don't like debt I don't like taking um, risks taking yeah. risks yeah and I think that if you don't take some risks it stops you from growing That's as you should have done okay. so I didn't take risks I always stay, played it safe yeah and so as a result of that perhaps didn't grow the business as as big as I could mm. have done but that that's sort of okay I think that was yeah. my my comfort zone but it certainly made me think now about pushing myself outside of my comfort zone a little bit more in other areas of my life excellent oh wow that well sounds like there's some exciting things on the horizon there definitely definitely <laughs> what, what's your biggest achievement today within your I think within the work world oh within the work world yeah. okay um I think for me it's actually, and I ju- I do judge achievement on this, it's being happy and mm. being content um, because I'm, I'm motivated by um, waking up in the morning and looking forward to a day at work. I don't want to feel that I'm dreading the day ahead. Yeah. And I think with Communique, it did get to the feeling mm. that I was dreading the day ahead, which is why I'm no longer doing that now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think my biggest achievement is to have had a career that I have just thoroughly enjoyed and for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part has made me very happy. Yeah, 
That's really lovely to hear. Do you know, I think given that, you know, I know we, we kind of refer back quite a lot to COVID and I think there's a lot of analysis around that, but actually one of the things I'm really seeing is exactly that viewpoint that people are kind of going, am I happy? Do I enjoy what I'm doing? Is it making me is it fulfilling me and does the company I'm working for match my ambition, match my values? Um, and I love that your measurement of success is around happiness. What a fab, what a f- everybody should do that. I think that's <laughs> a fabulous way of looking at things. Um, has there been anybody that's perhaps helped you on your way or, or kind of been quite instrumental in maybe you either t- doing something or taking a particular direction or growing or, or taking a chance and a risk on something? Sure. There's been loads. I mean, it would be really difficult to, to name one because, uh, you know, we met through business networking and I've yes, used business networking to grow my business. Um, and there have been so many people who've been so generous with advice, with time, with, with coaching, um, with introducing me to, to new clients um, that, that from a work point of view, it would be difficult to name one. But I have to say that my husband is is amazing at encouraging me. He also works in sales and he is fantastic at encouraging me. And we sometimes, you know, throw some ideas around. Don't always agree because <laughs> that would be very strange. But certainly he's very, very supportive. And um, and I, yeah, I love sharing ideas with him and, yeah. and making plans on, on where to, to go business-wise. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Um, I'm lucky enough to be in a similar position that my yes. husband's incredibly supportive too. And it, I think it does definitely make a difference. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, oh, that's good to hear. Um, and what does the future hold for you for Springer Alexander? What kind of things do you have coming up on the horizon? So I'm currently working with a great cross-section of businesses, as as you and I were talking about earlier. I've got a couple of um, big corporates that I'm working with that I'm spending a lot of time within um, their organisations. And that's nice because you really get to know people um, and, and what they're looking to achieve. And, and you're, they're taking you on the journey as much as you hand-holding them on the journey. But also the, the smaller businesses <coughs> excuse me, that I'm working with um, – I love seeing their plans sort of growing day to day, their plans come into fruition. And so I just want more of the same. Mm. You know, I want more of the same. And the future will be far more time spent um, offering counselling services to young people. That, that's a, a really important thing to me. Yeah, that's going to be quite hard. Um, I know when I've ever um, kind of met with clients and they're kind of either trying to carry on with a, a corporate role and set their own thing up, yes. or they've got kind of two businesses, that sort of balance of trying to get the mix right, I suppose, it can be really hard. Have you got any kind of sense of actually what, what kind of the mix will be for you moving forward? Because counselling, I imagine, could be you know, all-consuming in a positive way that you're obviously giving back and fulfilling something that you, you want to, to do. But have you had any kind of thought on that or do you have no, to see that working? I haven't had any thought, but, but what I do know is that the counselling services that I, I want to offer, I'm looking at a way of offering those not-for-profit. So mm. I want to be able to offer those to give something back. As I said, I've been really fortunate with, with my career um, and with people supporting me, and I just want to be in a position to, to support people who need that. Um, but obviously, I need to live, so there will need to be a degree of um, my coaching and my training and my mentoring, which will continue as it is now yeah Um, and 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 just looking for new and interesting clients to work with all the time what a fabulous fabulous mix i love that natalie it's um what a great thing to do yeah i love that um 
So we, we've touched on, I think, some of the challenges that small business owners face today. Um, you know, obviously, rising cost is something I'm sure we'll, we're going to come on to talk about in just a moment. But before we start to explore that a little bit further, you've got a, another song choice for us this afternoon. So I have. Would you like to share with the listeners what that is? I have. So giving away my age, I'm a 60s girl, and so I couldn't <laughs> not choose um, a Beatles song. So this one was um, written by John Lennon, talking about... Um, the great loves that he'd had and that's in his past not just people but places um and also the, the good things that were to come the good relationships he was building the good things to look forward to in life so this song is called in my life excellent is there a, and is there a reason or is it it's just just you enjoy it and it reminds you of, of your younger years i first heard this played i'd obviously was aware of it before but i went to the wedding of a friend of mine a good few years ago and this was their song that they walked into and i remember oh. getting goosebumps as they walked in and thinking what a fantastic wedding song this is Excellent. and it's just been one of my favorites since then ah, nice oh, i love i love that story so thank you for sharing that with us so we have in my life by the beatles enjoy There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed, some forever, not for better, some have gone and some remain, all these places have their moments, with lovers and friends, I still can recall. Um, what some nice relaxing songs you've chosen for us this afternoon, Natalie. Thank you for that. I'm feeling quite relaxed now. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I love both those songs. Fantastic. Excellent. Um, so, we um, hello and welcome back. You're listening to me, Sophie Comas, on the River Radio Let's Talk Business show. Thank you for listening in this afternoon. 
Today we're joined by Natalie Reed Hughes from Springer Alexander Coaching and so far we've learned a bit more about Natalie and the business. Don't forget if you have missed part of today's show you can listen again via the website river.radio as a podcast via Alexa, Apple or Google. And of course if you'd like to get in touch about any of the discussions we're having on the show today please do drop me an email to sophie at river.radio. So, um, Natalie, there are obviously a lot of challenges facing small business owners um, mm-hmm. in the world today on many levels, not just perhaps from a local perspective, but also kind of more macro macro events influencing um, what small business owners are experiencing going mm. through right now. I mean, we've just had quite a turbulent couple of years with COVID and everything that that brought and everybody kind of pivoting. Gosh, that word's been overused. But it's true <laughs> that that's what they did. They changed and responded to what was happening to the world around them. But what are the, the kind of the three biggest challenges that you're seeing your clients encounter and perhaps even for yourself as well, um, you know, over the coming sort of year, I suppose? What, what are you kind of seeing as those? key challenges so I think um, you're right people pivoted really well during COVID and that's a a key thing to keep thinking about what what can we what can we do right now Um, so one of the things that as we've talked a little bit about attracting new customers is key for any business you know Mm. without customers without them spending money then it's it's not a business and I always um, talk to my customers about being proactive in terms of searching for new, new, new business. Don't just rent a premises on the high street and expect footfall to bring new <laughs> customers in. Be proactive in terms of your sales and marketing activity. And there's no one right answer for for this in general. You know, you look at each business and say, look at how you're doing your marketing. Look at how you're doing your selling. And people often talk to me about telesales and telemarketing because of the business I ran that's right for some not right for others mm. so always think about you know what's a good way to get in front of potential customers our prospects you know what's what's a good way to communicate to tell them who we're who we're about so really attracting new customers has got to be the main one for business businesses to, yeah. to survive and to and, grow. and I guess you've got kind of customer service wrapped into that as well because it does amaze me we went to a um a really large furniture store um, I'm not going to mention who they were, <laughs> but a very large uh, a chain of furniture stores over the weekend because we were looking for a small table for our lounge. Mm. And as we walked in, one chap was very engaging and very aware and sort of welcomed us into the shop and um, seemed quite aware of what was going on around him. And then there was another two sales assistants sat there having a chat, presumably about what they'd done on Friday night mm. and or what their plans were for that evening completely oblivious to the fact that we were there and we in the end after standing there for about five minutes sort of looking at them expectantly said excuse me and sort of interrupted and actually that experience that customer experience is kind of wrapped into that sales and prospecting piece isn't it for some businesses not all obviously but no it it is and now is not the time to be losing any um customers through uh you know through through poor customer service so so we want to be acquiring new ones but at the same time retaining our existing customers and now more than ever that's really really important that we do that yeah um the other the other um way to look at this is as well is retaining your employees so it's really difficult to recruit at the moment customers Mm. are finding it really difficult to recruit um 
people maybe are staying where they are a little bit more so yeah. so better the devil you know we don't want to take any risks moving so yeah. you know good loyal employees are staying where they are and therefore they're not on the market so so really mm. it's a time for customers to look at their valuable employees mm. uh, and, and make sure that you look after them um, so making sure that that employees feel valued. It's not just about salary, though, Sophie. You know, so many clients say, well, I can't afford to pay people any more than I am doing with the rising costs. But it's not just about salary for I everybody. Um, it's sometimes about, you know, that pat on the back, that sort of gratitude for what people are doing. Yeah, re- recognition. Recognition, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's really important. So think, you know, what I say to my clients is think about if you can't afford to pay people more or bonuses, you know, maybe look at how you can train them, how, what development you can offer them, mm. what learning they could be experiencing whilst working with you and yeah. make sure you're communicating a clear career path yeah. for these people. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is, um, you know, we mentioned earlier about COVID with people having more time to reflect on things, mm. you know, actually you know what's the environmental policy of the um organization you know how do they you know train their staff how do they look after them it could be really small simple things you know having an employee of the month for example and having that kind of recognition piece so if if cost is a um something which is forefront of mind which i absolutely think you know you can see that it absolutely is actually by kind of focusing on the good bits and rewarding um people perhaps not everybody all at once but perhaps you know just being more selective can be really impactful content definitely definitely everybody though reverts back to this whole salary piece and it's not if, if you know talk to people and if they've got a good um uh, pdp sort of personal development plan if yep. they've got that in place there they will be talking mm-hmm. to their employees they will know what the the staff's hopes and dreams are for the future yeah. you know making sure that you do understand what people are trying to achieve with yeah. their life and i guess it's um you know everybody's motivated by something different aren't they so you definitely know, i think you made a, a point earlier where you know absolutely you have to live so you have to have enough for the mortgage you have to have enough for energy bills which you know is more considerable at the moment than mm, maybe it has sadly. been but you know you, you, you have to have enough to live but actually there's quite a lot to giving back to charity you know that that also i think really um rewards people and i know i've got a a friend that runs a charity and i know that there's a lot of um organizations really encourage their staff to you know they're given sort of i don't know a day or a year or two days or you know whatever the amount is but they're given time to go and do something on a voluntary basis to help charities and i think that's that's a brilliant thing to do to give people flexibility to work from home if they want to to give them uh, an opportunity to do something which is important to them is um like you say it's, it's not just the salary no it's not absolutely and when you you speak with people when i'm coaching people sometimes some of the things that they come out with that they're frustrations in their life are actually nothing to do with their working life it's to do with the fact that they haven't got enough time to do things like giving back to mm. do things sort of for others and that's really important for some people for their own mental um well-being is that they feel they're making a contribution in, into society and sometimes it might not be through their job that they they're wanting to do that but but so by a company saying here we are here's a few hours for you to to you know scratch that itch if you like go and go and do something good for somebody that's that's a win-win all round mm, definitely no, I, I, yeah i can definitely see that and yes like you say the availability of talent is 
is a huge um, challenge with, um, I guess, with people leaving, I suppose, after Brexit has been a cause of that. But I guess it's being seen across all different levels of um, an organisation, hasn't it? It's not just, I know, the hospitality sector is talked about in particular, but actually it's the case across all sectors, I think, isn't it? It is, it is. And the other thing people right now need to be looking at is ways to increase their revenue. And you mentioned just now about pivoting, and I think that's really important. So, you know, a lot of my customers, we talk about pricing strategies, and they say, well, I need to put my prices up. But that's not always possible. If you're putting your prices up and the competition isn't, does that mean Mm. you're going to lose more of your clients? So, Maybe what people need to do is look at um, additional products or services that they could be offering the same customers that they're already dealing with. So make more money, but offer more in return. Um, And so increasing revenue is a big thing. People are really revenue focused right now more than ever um, to be able to be able to work with their costs that that they're that they're um, they're increasing for them but also to um, to the acquisition of new business as well. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And, you know, and that's, I suppose, where the, the kind of link up between uh, marketing and sales comes from, because in marketing, we also talk about retention of customers. So it's exactly playing to that. It's, you know, if they're already bought into your brand and advocates of what you do, then it's uh, it can be a really easy conversation to have to people and um, think about actually how do you add value back to to what they're doing and what your customer wants yeah and in, and in terms of that you know looking at we've, we've talked about customer service um, and how we're looking after people don't be afraid to ask your customers what they think about you and what you're offering and and how you are as a supplier you know if, if, if you're saying to your customers you know what do you think of us and they say oh you're great you know I wish I wish we could do more with you mm. oh well you know what else would you like us what what else can we offer you you know so don't be afraid to have those conversations with people yeah. now more than ever because if people hear that you're caring about the service you're offering then they're more likely to, to remain loyal customers yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you know, again, in marketing, we always talk about putting the customer at the heart of everything. And mm. that's, that's reflective of that, isn't it? It's asking what do what do, do you want as a, a customer from us? And it can be quite difficult because I, I know I've heard the, I'm probably going to not quite phrase it correctly, but I know when um, uh, the Ford Motor Company was just starting out, um, they were saying to people, oh, you know, we're developing um, this new technology what do you want and they often say oh, if you'd asked somebody at the time they'd have said faster horses they wouldn't necessarily have known that actually they want a, a car with four wheels on and I love that analogy it's I always, like that so sometimes people don't know what they want no um, they don't you, do they they so. don't but it's one of those conversations you can have is what do you wish for what do you wish you could have in an ideal world in a blank sheet of paper what would you like even if it's not out there and some really creative brains certainly more creative than mine could sit and 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 have this conversation but well what would be great would be Mm. um and that's where these ideas come from that's where people think actually we could do something similar we had we had a, a situation um over covid actually over lockdown where there was a local business um in our village who always sold fresh veg and um, fruit and veg to hotels, clubs, restaurants, etc. And obviously all those places were closed. And suddenly they were appearing on my Facebook feed. Um, We can deliver these things to your house. And I never thought about having anything delivered to my house. Why would I? I've got the supermarkets. But also in the back of my mind was always, why do I shop at the supermarkets? Why don't I use a small local business? Why don't we have, you know... And they started delivering and, oh, it 
it was fantastic. You know, this this great big box of fruit and veg would turn up, and it did test the mind as to what I could do with some of those things. Not but being, I love not that. being. Well, it's great, exactly. <laughs> I love and that. we had time, didn't we? Yes, so it wasn't like we didn't have time. Um, and things like that, being able to switch. So now they have two businesses. They have this delivery to the homes, mm-hmm. but they've also gone back to being able to deliver to the pubs, clubs, hotels, and restaurants. Fantastic. Because yeah. I did the same thing, but unfortunately, the the organisation that I was using are based in London, actually. Um, they've stopped the home um, deliveries, which I, th- I thought was a bit of a shame. But obviously, yeah. you know, sometimes you have to make choices, I guess, with, with how you move forward. And Well, we'll be we finished here do. today, Sophie. I'll be giving you the name and address of the company <laughs> I use. Thank so. you, do please. Because I, I do, I'd notice the difference with organic vegetables. It really mm. is quite significant. And if I can support a local business, I'm absolutely up for that. So yeah, um, on many levels, not just to support them, but your carbon footprint, you know, it, this whole whole host of reasons why that's you know that's a good thing to be doing so um coming so, back sorry coming back to that as yeah. well actually things that that um businesses that we're having conversations with businesses about is embracing social media so we talked mm. about how i first yes. became aware of this company um through my facebook feed social media gets a lot of bad press and in many ways you know rightly so you hear about these horror stories about things that you know teenagers can access information etc and it's awful but actually social media can also be a force for good and I'm a big fan of local social media and how Mm. you can support things um but having an online presence for businesses obviously means they can engage with a far larger audience and oftentimes for free you know if you think about this no we used to pay to advertise didn't we billboards newspapers whatever um, but this online presence, actually, you can have for pretty much for free and make people aware of your services. So I would always encourage any client I was working with to look for that as well. Look for those opportunities. Yeah. Again, not right for everybody, yeah. but certainly right yeah, for some. Definitely. You are right. That digital footprint is so important. If you think about the buying behaviour process, I remember I was listening to a, um, a presentation a couple of years back pre-COVID of a car um, showroom. And they, um, you know, they, they obviously have clients go into or potential buyers go into the showroom, but they'd notice a significant shift in the way that people were purchasing. So rather than going in and saying, oh, I want to buy a car, you know, this car over here, um, actually what they're realising is that they'd done their research over maybe, I don't know, five, six brands. They'd narrowed it down to two, walked into two showrooms, said, can I test, test drive this car and, and then gone next door and test driven the other car, made a decision and purchased the car. Oh, and I thought that was, you know, that's a real transition and change from where we have been, where you would have to maybe spend a whole weekend going from showroom to showroom to investigate 10 different brands to then narrow it down and, and then maybe do a couple of test drives. So, and I think that that very much has moved across into the, the, all businesses really that even if you don't necessarily see people liking or commenting on social media by the nature of what you share and how you share it not only helps with the search engine rankings but also with the um you know with the image you create and portray of your business so um, sure. yeah that's that's good good advice so we've talked quite a lot about growth um and kind of customer acquisition but i guess a lot of your clients want to scale the whole business so i guess also within that there's kind of structures that you need to consider within that is is that is that right is that something that you get involved with or? i do get involved with that with some people and we do look at restructuring um and actually 
interestingly enough, structuring now according to people wanting to work from home as well. Yes. You know, that's that's um, possible with some businesses and mm. impossible with others. And it's, it's, again, trying to then, whilst you're trying to hang on to these very talented, loyal staff, are we able to offer them what they want? And, and in many cases, what they want is to work from home. Is that possible? Yeah. And so we do look at ways of doing that. Is it is it you know, more investment in technology that will then allow them? Are we getting or are my clients getting the value um, of people working from home? Are they getting better value? In some mm-hmm. cases, people are more productive because yeah. they don't have a lengthy commute. So, yes, I do get involved in, in, in structures and, and restructures as well. Yeah. Um, but... And I try to encourage people to, to all my clients to look at that with a very open mind, just because we've always yes. done it this way. It doesn't mean we have to carry on yeah. um, doing that. And certainly when I had communicate um, at the telemarketing, the first couple of years I had an office with the staff in. And after that, everybody worked from home mm-hmm. because nobody wanted to pay the parking in Marlowe. So, no, no, <laughs> so they worked from home and it worked yeah, really well. Yeah. We had no, no issues with that yeah. at all. And it ties back to that motivational piece you ref- referenced earlier that actually... You know, it, you know, it's really important to me to walk my boys to school, and it always has been. Actually, for an, a business or an employer to say that's okay, you know, you work from home because let's face it, if you're going to spend the whole day answering emails or sitting on Zoom calls, I don't need to travel for an hour and a half to go and sit in a London office to do that. I can quite comfortably now do that from home. So. I think we're definitely seeing a shift in the function of office space where it becomes more that people come to engage with colleagues and have meetings as opposed to perhaps doing the more um, perhaps slightly more admin side of of roles and things but sure sure like you say it depends on the organization and the role that you're you're looking at it does and interestingly enough it will be fascinating now to see whether with energy costs which is what we were talking about earlier whether people say actually do you know I don't want to be working from home absolutely and heating and and lighting and everything that that entails in the day I'd rather be back and let my employer pay for all that so really interesting times ahead with that and see what what happens yes yeah we we haven't really had a chance to explore that that topic of conversation too much but definitely um lots of exciting announcements or hopefully positive announcements today uh, with the support, support available for small businesses to help them with the energy rising and costs so quite um, yeah something maybe for discussion on another day another day another day (laughs) so before we wrap up this afternoon thank you natalie for joining us this afternoon it's been really lovely to have you on the show thank you sophie so thank you um it's been brilliant to hear more about the business and the journey that you've had um if somebody wanted to find out a bit more about you what's the best place for them um to look on and how should they do that so they can have a look at my website so all the w's and then springer as in the spaniel <laughs> hyphen alexander.com brilliant that's great thanks ever so much natalie thank you sophie So next week, we're going to be back on the show with some more great guests. Um, If you have any questions about today's show or a question you'd like us to ask our guests next week, please do drop me an email to sophie at river.radio. We've also got some more great shows coming up across the River Radio Network. So don't forget to stay tuned for the rest of today. And of course, if you have missed part of today's show, you can listen again via the website river.radio or podcast via Alexa, Apple or Google. So all that remains for me to do is to wish you a great rest of the week and to leave you with Dolly. So enjoy and see you next time. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life 
jumping, shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five, what a way to make a living, barely getting by. It's all taking and no giving, they just use your mind and they never give you credit. Watch him shatter You're just a step on the boss man's ladder But you got dreams he'll never take away In the same boat with a lot of your friends Waiting for the day your ship will come in And the tide's gonna turn And it's all gonna roll your way Working nine to five 